Welcome to the Formula Bone F1 Show's 2022 Spanish Grand Prix Recap. I'm Jared Borislow, but you can call me J-Bone. Let's get right into it. J-Bone! On my Spanish Grand Prix preview podcast, I gave you four storylines to follow throughout the race weekend. Let's see how those shaped up. The first storyline was you were going to hear the word upgrades a lot leading up to and during the 2022 Spanish Grand Prix weekend. And unless you didn't watch the Grand Prix, you will agree that this was the case. From keeping up with the 2022 Spanish Grand Prix, the word upgrades is now permanently etched into all of our brains. It's all I think about when I go to bed at night, and the only song I can listen to anymore without feeling kind of off is the 2007 smash hit Upgrade You by Beyonce featuring Jay-Z. Because I'm just an upgrade guy until I die now, I guess. Every team but one brought upgrades to the 2022 Spanish Grand Prix, with the lone holdout being Haas. Now Haas, though, proved that upgrades are not some sort of magical performance increaser, as they were the only midfield team to have both drivers make it to the end of qualifying. Kevin Magnussen qualified P8, with Mick Schumacher making his first ever Q3 and qualifying P10. But he made Q3, barely. Uh, Mick got a little lucky, making it to Q3 after initially being told he had not because Lando Norris uh, had his flying lap time deleted for just barely exceeding track limits, which bumped Mick up to P10 in Q2, which got him into Q3. Now, Haas team principal and Steiner ship captain, Gunther Steiner, has revealed Haas's upgrade strategy, stating that they want to get the most performance and data out of their current package before they begin making big changes to give their upgrades the best shot possible of being successful. So, what that means, apparently, allegedly, reportedly, is that Haas are supposedly waiting for the French Grand Prix to drop their first significant upgrade package of 2022. And yes, that is currently six full Grand Prix away. So Haas fans, if you're eagerly awaiting those upgrades, temper your expectations, is what I would say. And Haas fans, if you're thinking, are Haas not upgrading because of financial reasons, Gunther, in classic Gunther fashion, has an amazing quote about that. He said, quote, it's the budget. It's not the budget cap. It's the budget. I love this quote because while the big dogs like Red Bull are fighting to upgrade as much as possible while staying under the F1 budget cap, this quote reminds us all that some smaller teams like Haas don't even have enough money to exceed the budget cap if they wanted to. Kind of an interesting way to frame your mind around the top heaviness of F1. You know, some people got to work within the budget they have. Other people have to work within F1's budget cap. Very interesting. Now, as far as upgrades go, the biggest pre-Spanish Grand Prix weekend upgrade story was, of course, the launch of the 2022 Green Bull a.k.a. the new-look Aston Martin car that looks almost identical to the current Red Bull car. This caused a ton of controversy surrounding both overcopying 
and potential plagiarism, considering how some former Red Bull engineers now work at Aston Martin. Helmet Marco had some quote about how he's like, we have evidence that they stole stuff. And it's like, Helmet, you are such a drama queen. Just stop, please. Helmet, come on. He always does this. Helmet Marco, despite being like the oldest person in Formula One, acts the most like a teenage girl, in my opinion. He just loves stirring the pot, causing controversy. Just, just stop, please, sir. The controversy, though, didn't last too long. Uh, as the FIA gave the design the all-clear, saying that they did not overcopy or plagiarize, as far as they know at least. And then the Aston Martins both then didn't make it out of Q1 in Spain, and then both finished outside the points. So people kind of stopped caring when it's like, oh, this is not some gangbusters upgrade where they copied Red Bull and now have the performance of a Red Bull. It's just a, they're copying them because they want to be them, you know? Which I can respect. Like, right now, who doesn't want to be Red Bull? Two one-twos in the last three races. It's pretty nice. However, though, there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Sebastian Vettel, who narrowly missed out on points by finishing P11 up from a P16 start, believes that this new concept is the right call for Aston Martin and that there is plenty of pace to be found once they learn the car better. Sebastian said that Spain was pretty much a shakedown. Like they needed, they, they'd never run the car before, you know? So they had to really shake it down, kind of learn how it settled in. And they never really expected to have this be the race where they saw too much noticeable difference because they were literally learning the car. You can't just change the whole entire concept of the car up and then expect it to be faster because the driver still needs to learn it, you know? Uh, side note. Sebastian Vettel had one of his bags stolen from him in Barcelona and reportedly he unsuccessfully chased after the thieves while riding a scooter. And that is the most Sebastian Vettel thing I have ever heard in my entire life. Okay. I feel like this Formula One season is the beginning of Sebastian Vettel's scooter themed superhero character arc. I thought about it. Uh, and of course... Sebastian Vettel's scooter-themed superhero has got to be called Scuderia, right? The second storyline was the fate of the Mercedes F1 team's entire 2022 season relied on this weekend's Spanish Grand Prix. And let's just say that despite their slow start to the season, Mercedes fans have nothing to worry about. No, Mercedes will not be abandoning their zero-pod concept because the upgrades that they introduced in Spain helped them narrow the gap between themselves, Ferrari, and Red Bull immensely. They had a great weekend. Mr. Consistency George Russell earned his second podium finish of the season with a P3 result, continuing his streak as the only driver to finish in the top five every race this season. Furthermore, with Leclerc's DNF that I'll talk more about here in a minute, George Russell is now the only driver in 2022 to score at least one point in every single race thus far this season. What an incredible job George Russell is doing in his first season at Mercedes. He is my driver of the season through six races, without a doubt. And Lewis Hamilton, just wow. After qualifying P6, Lewis dropped down to P19 after the first lap. Had a racing incident uh, with Kevin Magnussen that gave Lewis a puncture. We all thought Lewis Hamilton's race was over after this incident with Kevin Magnussen. 
And when I say we all, that includes Lewis himself, who went on team radio around lap four and suggested that maybe Mercedes should retire his car to save the engine rather than have him drive it around if points were not going to be possible. Lewis was thinking back to Saudi Arabia when he just barely, he had to fight so hard to make it up and just get the one lone point. He was like, I don't know if it's worth, you know, putting all this wear and tear on the engine. If we're just going to maybe get like one point or just be fighting and maybe not even get points. However, the Mercedes team reassured Lewis that points were definitely possible. Specifically, they targeted P8 for him. Well, Lewis took that and ran with it. And he put together one of the drives of the season thus far, going from P19 all the way up to P4. P4 before overheating issues at the end caused him to land at P5, where he would eventually finish the race. Now, the Spanish Grand Prix home fans were happy about that because they got Carlos Sainz into P4. Almost a podium. Would have been cool to get that uh, home Grand Prix podium for Carlos, but, you know, at least he got past Lewis at the end for them. Gave them a little bit of uh, something to cheer for after, you know, Ferrari didn't have the greatest day, which, again, I'll talk about in a second. Lewis heard the team say P8 clearly and was like, all right, bet, because he was on a mission. Which I don't know how you can get that motivated when you're like, I think we should retire the car. And they're like, no, we shouldn't. And then you're like, okay. And then you go superhuman. Crazy to me. So this amazing drive from Lewis earned him the official driver of the day honors. He also got my driver of the day honors, both in me saying it right now. And I actually did vote for him for driver of the day. Uh, Happy he won. He, I think it might have been like one of the biggest margins of victory of the season. He had like 22% or something of the, of the votes, which a lot of times, a lot of races recently, it's been pretty close, but pretty clear that Lewis was the driver of the day, in my opinion. So that drive earned Lewis driver of the day, 10 championship points, and gave Mercedes fans around the world the hope that they just might still turn this season into one in which they are contending for the championship. The third storyline, can Fernando Alonso turn his Formula One season around at his home Grand Prix? I don't know if I'd say Fernando Alonso turned his season around considering he didn't make it out of Q1 and then started the race in dead last after taking an engine penalty. But he did get his second points finish of the season by driving from P20 all the way up to P9. Amazing drive from Fernando. Probably would have been the driver of the day if not for Lewis. Uh, So I think... Fernando's, he took a step in the right direction in Spain. I wouldn't say he turned his season around, but definitely a step in the right direction. And again, in front of the home fans, I bet you they were really celebrating, watching him cross the line, get those two points, bringing his total for the season to four. He'll turn it around. Step in the right direction here. He'll turn it around soon. The car's too fast. He's too good of a driver. He's had some very bad luck. Fernando's got this. El Plan. The final storyline was, does the Spanish Grand Prix better suit Red Bull or Ferrari? Despite Red Bull getting a 1-2, I don't even know if I can say that the Circuit de Barcelona Catalunya better suited them because Leclerc was absolutely running away with this race before his engine crapped out on him. I'd say it probably suited Leclerc, both Red Bulls, and then Signs in that order with the gap between the Rebels and Signs being kind of big. And yes, by the way, you heard me mention the Red Bulls there. I will be discussing the whole Max Checo situation here in a minute. So stay tuned. 
But before I do that, we need to talk about Carlos Sainz' first laps this season because they are really hurting Ferrari's title hopes. Carlos Sainz has lost at least one position on the first lap in every race thus far in 2022, aside from the first race of the season in Bahrain. Sainz just gave up two positions on the first lap of the Spanish Grand Prix with George and Checo both passing him. Before that, he gave up one position in Miami to Max. At Imola, he gave up every position with a DNF on lap one. He gave up five positions on the first lap in Australia before DNFing on lap two. Apparently, by the way, Carlos Sainz gave up so many positions in Australia because there was a steering wheel issue. I guess he had a replacement steering wheel and it wasn't set up like his regular steering wheel was, which is crazy. Never heard about that until I just looked it up. And then Carlos Sainz gave up one position on the first lap in Saudi Arabia again to Max. This is not at all helping out Sainz's Ferrari teammate, Charles Leclerc, who should be able to rely on Carlos to put up some sort of defense that helps him out when he's on pole position, which he has been at four of the six races thus far. So when you're Charles Leclerc and you're getting pole position in two thirds of the races, and then your teammate is like kind of close to you, he should be able to help you out by, you know, at least causing a little bit of tire wear while defending drivers behind him that will help out Leclerc. Cause you know, if, if people are behind signs, he's defending them, he's putting some wear on their tires. By the time they get by signs, it'll be harder for them to pass Leclerc because they're going to have some more wear on their tires. But right now they're just driving right on by signs, waving to him on the way by like their Lando to Danny Rick at Monaco last year. It's uh, it's not great, Carlos. And I think I speak for Charles Leclerc when I say, Help him out a little bit. Come on. First laps, you got this. You're a great driver. I know you got the yips right now. I've said it many times, but you got this. Trust yourself. So, yeah, if Ferrari want to stay competitive with Red Bull this season, Carlos is going to have to find an answer to his current first lap problem. Now, let's discuss some additional storylines that have not been covered yet and that won't be covered by way of the upcoming listener voicemails. First up, can we please get rid of the Formula One drone cam? I respect that F1 is trying things out to try and improve the at-home Formula One race viewing experience for those of us who can't make it to the Grand Prix, but this thing is just a huge miss. A big, big, big miss. All it gives us is a worse view of the action as well as motion sickness. If they keep this up, I'm going to have to start eating ginger and hooking myself up to a Dramamine IV drip before every race. And I don't want to do that. Sounds like a lot of work, especially here in the United States when I'd be doing that at like 7.30 a.m. Now, on the other hand, the pit lane camera flip is something we need a lot more of. It provides the viewers at home with absolutely no real benefit, but every time they do it, it makes me smile because I'm picturing the cameraman doing it, like literally flipping his camera upside down during a pit stop while filming the pit stop, and then afterwards going, heck yeah, I killed that freaking camera flip. I bet that looks sick. And it just makes me smile to think about that. Like, I, I need I need a, a cameraman filming the cameraman doing the pit stop camera flip. And I need it right now. I will, I will pay money for this, okay? 
I'll pay money for this. Finally, let's talk about Lando. After battling hay fever all weekend, by the way, if you look at pictures of Lando all weekend, he's got like puffy eyes. He just does not look well. Battled hay fever all weekend and then was diagnosed with tonsillitis immediately after the race. A race, I should note, in which he started P11 and ended in the points at P8. Lando was hurting so bad from the tonsillitis at the end of the race that he couldn't even talk to his race engineer during the cooldown lap. The race engineer's like, uh, Lando? And instead of having to communicate with the race engineer because he couldn't, he had to use buttons on the steering wheel. The guy's like, hey, Lando, uh, you're not responding. Could you just like hit a button on the steering wheel so I know you're alive? And then he hit the button, and the guy was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I felt so bad for Lando. I mean, very heroic effort, you know? He's very, very sick, has a great race, and then at the end, he probably has a fever. He's probably got a sore throat. And again, it was really, really hot in Barcelona. He's probably burning up inside that car. So it's pretty remarkable he was able to have such a good drive with his throat and body both on fire. Hopefully Lando gets well soon and is ready to go for the Monaco Grand Prix this weekend. Speaking of Monaco, the Formula racing season is going very strong right now. And next up is, of course, the legendary Monaco Grand Prix. Get in on all the action with my sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, New customers can place their first bet of $5 or more. And if your bet loses, you'll get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can experience the thrills of racing on the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports app. Go full throttle till the checkered flag drops and compete for your share of over $100,000 in prizes on the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports app. All you do is draft your lineup of five drivers and one constructor to rack up points for top finishes, lap sled, and more. Not to brag, but I did win $10 on the Spanish Grand Prix on the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports app this past weekend, thanks to my phenomenal picks of Red Bull, Max, and George Russell. Please clap. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Do not miss out on all the action this week at DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code FBONE, that's F-B-O-N-E, at sign up. New customers can place their first bet of $5 or more on the race. And if your bet loses, you'll get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's code FBONE at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Thank you so much to DraftKings Sportsbook for sponsoring the Formula Bone F1 show. Of course, I need to now check in with you all regarding how my three bona fide race predictions fared at the Spanish Grand Prix. And uh, feeling pretty good today, folks. My first race prediction was that Max Verstappen would win the Spanish Grand Prix. And ding, ding, your boy J-Bone got that right. Okay, that pick was just never in doubt all weekend long, not even when Leclerc was able to pit from P1 and stay in P1 because his lead was so big, or when Max went into the gravel, or when Max couldn't pass George because his DRS flap was having commitment issues, or even when I tweeted out that we were on Charles Leclerc Grand Slam watch. That was obviously a joke, okay, because I was never in doubt. I made this pick, trusted it all the way through, and it hit. 
My second race prediction was that we would see an Alfa Romeo double points finish at the Spanish Grand Prix and single ding here because I got that half right. I'm just going to count it as a half victory because Botas was in the points. Joe, however, had mechanical issues and was forced to retire the car on lap 29 just when he was looking like he'd be able to battle for P10. So eh, it's a half victory. My third and final race prediction was that Fernando Alonso would get his second points finish of the season at his home Grand Prix, and ding, ding, that one also hit, folks. Despite not making it out of Q1 and starting P20 last place, due to a power unit-related grid penalty, Fernando Alonso had a remarkable day, probably because he knew my prediction and he wanted to live up to my expectations, and he was able to go from P20 to P9 to finish in the points in Spain, just like I predicted, making that prediction a ding-ding winner. Going two and a half for three, like I just did, is pretty good. That'd be a solid B if this had been a homework assignment. But guess what, folks? Next week, I'm going to get them all right. I promise. I went one for three in Miami, then two and a half for three in Spain, so it tracks that in Monaco, your boy J-Bone is going three Four, three, book it, perfecto, 100%, bing bong, j-bone. Next up, it is time to respond to some Spanish Grand Prix-themed voicemails left by Formula Bone F1 show listeners. If you're new to the Formula Bone F1 show, welcome. I'm j-bone, j-bone, if it's not clear by now. After every race this season, I do one of these race recap podcasts, and a large part of them is me responding to some of the voicemails left by Formula Bone F1 show listeners on the Bone phone. 1-833-200-0966. That's how you call into the Bone phone. So during or after each race, whenever you have an interesting thought, hot take, complaint, or anything else like that, Make sure to give the Bone Phone a ring for a chance at your voicemail that you leave on it being played on the podcast. That number again is 1-833-200-0966, and it is in the description of this episode. Without further ado, here's the first call. Hey, Jay Bone. It's Grace calling from Florida. just wanted to hear your thoughts on uh, Checo having to give up his position to Verstappen this early in the season and how unfair it was. Love to know your thoughts. Thanks. All's fair in love and Formula One, as they say. But for real, while we all wanted Checo to disregard team orders and defend against Max for the win, just for sheer chaos reasons, that was never going to happen for a couple different reasons. First off, Checo's just too much of a team player, for now, at least. I could see him maybe becoming less of a team player if situations like this keep happening, or maybe situations worse than this one. But I think Checo understands that while he's an amazing driver, he's still Red Bull's number two driver behind the reigning world champion. Second, at the time, it seemed very unfair, as Checo put it. But I believe what ended up happening was mostly just a consequence of tire strategy. Red Bull decided to have Checo try out the two-stop strategy and Max the three-stop And it just so happened that the three-stop was superior and Max was going to eventually catch Checo anyways because he was on a better tire strategy. Further evidence of the three-stop being the superior strategy comes from looking at Valtteri Bottas' race, 
where he attempted the two-stop and then dropped from P4 to P6 at the end of the race due to tire degradation. Because Max was going to catch Checo regardless due to his tire strategy, Red Bull decided to not let the drivers battle in order to maximize points on a day when they could get a massive points haul relative to Ferrari because of Leclerc's DNF. Checo has stated that he's more upset about the team splitting up tire strategies than he is about the team orders, presumably because he was supposed to be on the three-stop but had the strategy changed up on him, which potentially would have led to him getting the win uh, without team orders coming into play, of course. Now, that theory only makes sense if you believe Red Bull did not intentionally change up Checo's tire strategy so that he'd end up behind Max, which I think we can all agree is something that is definitely possible. Now, my question for you to answer in the YouTube comments of this video is if the roles were reversed and Max had been the one in the Spanish Grand Prix lead on the two-stop strategy with Checo gaining on him on the three-stop strategy, what would Red Bull have done? Would they have let the drivers battle? Have had Max let Checo through? Have told Checo to stay behind Max? Or do you think that scenario could never have happened because Red Bull knew the two-stop strategy was inferior and would have never put Max on it. Let me know in my YouTube comments, please. Next call. J-Bone, it's Garrett from Virginia. All right, so I just got one question for you, man. I was really excited going into this race about these Ferrari upgrades. And this man, Leclerc, just took off running at the beginning of the race. And I was really thinking that these upgrades, man, what's what's going to happen? Is this going to is this going to hinder because this dude craps out? I'm upset. It's a bad day for Ferrari, man. But the question is, what what about these upgrades? Do you think it's going to, in the long run, shape up? Let me know. J Bone. Ferrari fans definitely did not have the best weekend, as they went from thinking Leclerc had an easy grand slam in the bag to watching him brutally DNF in a scene that probably gave them all 2021 Monaco flashbacks. But they can at least feel a little better in knowing that Ferrari have vaguely stated that Leclerc's power unit issue was investigated and deemed to be a one-off incidental issue. Uh, They didn't say incidental. I'm just adding the Charles Leclerc flair in there. And not an issue that they expect to persist implying it was not related to their upgrades or, if it somehow was, that they already know how to remedy the issue. Now, if Ferrari are telling the truth, Leclerc was driving an absolute rocket ship out there before he DNF'd. He had such a large lead that he was able to pit and remain in P1. That's, again, Grand Slam territory stuff. I would personally feel good about the car going forward if I were a member of the Tifosi though I would also be feeling pretty disappointed about how the race did end up just like this caller. Next call. J-Bone. Just uh, calling, you know, long-time caller, first-time listener. I uh, was going to see if you can give uh, some recommendations for some shorts I could wear this summer. I'm looking for something you can wear out in the boat. You can take anywhere you want to go. So if you got any ideas, let me know. J-Bone. I do have 
some ideas, caller. Actually, I have one idea, and it's the best idea. It is Bird Dog Shorts, this episode's sponsor. Bird Dogs makes the best shorts you will ever wear, I promise you. And right now, you can get a free Bird Dogs dad hat with your order when you use code FBONE, that's F-B-O-N-E, at checkout on birddogs.com. That's code FBONE for a free dad hat when you buy the most insanely comfortable leg coverings on planet Earth. I personally will be wearing Bird Dogs shorts all summer long because you can do anything in them. You can wear them while watching Formula One, working out, playing sports, sleeping, praying to every god at once for Haas to be in the points, and even swimming. Bird Dog shorts feel, feel amazing. They feel so good. They are the best. And guess what? You can get them with built-in underwear that feels better on your skin than the finest silk sheets and is also super breathable, does not bunch up like traditional underwear does, and is quick drying. Now, as far as the free dad hat goes, I'm wearing mine right now, and I've never felt more like a father despite not having any children. So go to birddogs.com right now, enter promo code FBONE, F-B-O-N-E, and they'll throw in this free dad hat with your order. You will not want to ever take your bird dogs off. I promise you. I never take mine off. I'm actually wearing a pair of bird dogs joggers right now just to prove it to you. There's a link for that deal in the description of this episode. Thank you to bird dogs for supporting the Formula Bone F1 show. Next call, baby. Hey, J-Bone. This is Ryan from the farm. I'd like to start some, uh, some rumors. Let's just say I heard from a friend of a friend that uh, Lewis Hamilton might be retiring at the end of this year. Calling it quits. What about one Alex Albon taking his place at Mercedes? The once Red Bull star, now driving for Merck. Uh, first off, I think that your made-up friend's friend is a big, fat liar as I do not see any way that Lewis retires at the end of the season, especially now after he's seen what this car can do. But I will humor you. If your made-up friend's friend is somehow the world's most foremost F1 insider, I think Albon would be a good option for Mercedes. He's putting out some great drives right now with a Mercedes powertrain, even though the thing surrounding said powertrain is more similar to a tractor than a race car. I would be more inclined to say that Pierre Gasly or Esteban Ocon would take Lewis's spot in this almost certainly fake scenario, but both of them are currently under contract with Mercedes competitors until 2023 and 2024, respectively, so I don't really think that would even be possible unless one of them opted out of their contract or something. The whole contract negotiations thing, a little bit over my head. Nick DeVries, also an option for Mercedes, of course, unless... Williams sack Latifi midseason and sign Nick to a deal first, of course, which it's possible. Although Latifi did outdrive Alex Albon in Spain. Not a lot of people talking about it, but it's true. Okay. Albon's red hair could not save him from the goat. The goat stampeded all over Alex Albon. Um, yeah, let me know your thoughts, listener, on this almost certainly fake scenario in the YouTube comments, just like the earlier thing I asked you to do. That's it for today's episode of the Formula Bone F1 show, but fear not, my Monaco Grand Prix preview podcast will be out midweek for your listening and or viewing pleasure, so make sure that you are subscribed to the Formula Bone F1 show to get that right when it drops. 
If you enjoyed the show and want to help me out, I would really, really appreciate it if you could toss me a subscription, like, comment, review, rating, or any other form of engagement on whatever platform that you are on right now. So that said platform and its beautiful algorithm like me just a little bit more. I respond to pretty much every single comment on my YouTube. And if you don't believe me, comment on there and try it out. For Formula One updates between now and my Monaco Grand Prix preview podcast coming soon, you can follow me on all social media at Formula Bone and at my real name, Jared Borislow. That's J-A-R-E-D-B-O-R-I-S-L-O-W. Until next time, J-Bone!